to episode 116 of the Winning Six podcast, official podcast of BehindTheBookPass.com. I'm your host, site expert, Adam McGee, and joining me this time out, my fellow site expert, Ty Windish. Hello, Ty. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, yeah, it kind of has to be at this point. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but the Bucks beat the Raptors by 27 points in Game 3 of the playoffs, so... I I had noticed. I, I watched the game. Um, this is going to be a weird one to break down because, like, most of my quote-unquote analysis was just, like, jokes because I just feel like during a game there's almost only so much serious analysis you can do of, oh, well, th- this is the shot that made them from going up 28 to up 31. It was the same thing that happened 40 other times this game. When I predicted on yesterday's pregame podcast with Jordan that the Bucks would win by 15, I got an audible guffaw out of him. It was like a ghost <laughs> guffaw. And l- little did I know that I was underselling it so dramatically. That was... I, I honestly found it kind of difficult to say things about it because it was just so surreal. It wasn't something you could ever be prepared to see. I don't know when the next time we'll see a Bucks performance like that would be. That's not to say that like they couldn't go and win game four, but that particular win was very, very special. And I guess the, the thing that will come out of it is it's probably more about the Raptors and the Bucks going forward, as in we know what the Bucks are in this series right now, but can the Raptors right themselves mentally by 2 p.m. on Saturday. I, I really don't think so. And I think really the, the toughest, the, like if you look at just single Raptors, DeMar DeRozan didn't make a shot. He played 31 minutes. And it's, I mean, it's DeMar freaking DeRozan. He obviously had the ball and he didn't make a shot. I, I have a take. I think in spite of scoring 13 points and going 4-10 from the field, I think Kyle Lowry has more work to do in terms of getting out of his own head. He was making the dumb fouls. He talks to himself. I saw him talk to himself. I was a little worried. He was like the dumb fouls. He caught Delhi square with that elbow right in front of an official. I don't know how that wasn't deemed to be some kind of unnecessary force. I just think there's certain elements he... I think it might have been the start of the second half, might even still have been the second quarter, where they were coming out of a timeout and he just kept feeling his wrist. And it's kind of like, 
okay now your wrist has been fine for the past two three weeks like you've been back and you're healthy and now you're gonna feel your wrist that was very kind of I don't know, uh, if I'm going full body language doctor, that was something I, I felt the need to read into. It's like, okay, really, your team is down 30 points, and you're going to start examining your wrist? It's like... Do you want to hear, you hear, hear the craziest take I could, I could give you right now? Sure. <laughs> the Raptors got a little lucky. They scored 23 of their 77 points from the foul line. They still got to the foul line 30 times overall. If they didn't get these calls, they get a lot of calls, and they, they play for it. But, like, without any free throws, this team scored, what, 54 points on actual made shots. No Raptor made more than four shots. And two of the three of them to make four were DeLon Wright and Norm Powell. This game was incredible. 31.4 quarter for the Raptors as well. So it's, yeah, not, it's yeah. not like it's like they really had to go some to get to seventy seven even with the I, shows. I would wager that mm, at least half of those shots for Delon Wright and Norm Powell came in the fourth quarter. Another thing that would lead me to say the Raptors got a little lucky. I don't think any one book played like that well, this Chris, Chris early, Chris, Chris early, early but I think this was the game where basically everyone played really well. Yeah, but I'm not sure if there was one player who just you know it was their game and they transformed it. No, I that, that was my favorite part. My favorite part was that it was everybody total team like performance that, that makes it impossible to stop because if you lock in on someone, then there's two other guys ready. I mean, Giannis 19 points, eight boards, four assists, two steals, two blocks. 70% from the field. Chris, 20 points, three rebounds, seven assists, two steals. You look at the bench, Beasley with 13 points. Some of those came in garbage time, where Beasley's a garbage time hero. If there's ever garbage time, he must be on the floor. But Greg Monroe had 16 points and six boards. Delhi had 10 points. Don had 11 points. Uh, Snell only had five points, but his defense on uh, DeMar DeRozan was phenomenal. Phenomenal. I bet you were probably worried for I'm a glad second. Nominal like, oh. there. Yeah, you were probably worried for a second. Kind of the same with Brogdon. I mean, look, if, if Brogdon and Snell normally combine for two for 11 or 12, you might hear me grousing a little bit. But, I mean, if Lowry and DeRozan combine for four for 18, I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't care too much about what Brogdon and Snell did on offense because they clearly played well defensively. Well, I mean, Brogdon did have nine assists and seven rebounds. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm underselling Brogdon's game a little. Just his his shooting performance wasn't fantastic, but that that that's not a problem if he's going to play locked in defense. Let's go through this a little bit. Let's go right back to the start. There was one moment where, as things started to open up, and I mean started to open up, as in like when the lead got to ten. There was a moment right to start this game that I was still thinking of and saying, "That's going to be the play that two hours from now, three hours from now, I'm going to be talking about saying." That's when the Bucks kind of won the game. It sounds insane, but if not the first... Uh, okay, so there was a few possessions where neither team scored. Middleton had that slippery call timeout. Yep. And one of, say, the first two field goals I think the Bucks made was 
not quite a dunk. Ton tried to dunk it and didn't quite. He kind of he it was it's it in. But credited credited as a made dunk. But all that matters is, considering those two colossal blocks Sergi Baca had in the second half of game two, straight from the first whistle, Ton Maker, the rookie. Went straight at Ibaka and said, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go at him, and I have no fear." And I felt like once that went in, there was almost sort of the mystique that the Raptors might have built up in that second half of Game Two was just vanished, and we were back to Game One. And then with Middleton starting fast, the books just blew past that so quickly. But Tom did a lot of great things again; was incredibly effective. I just felt that was a move that captured, I guess, the spirit of the whole team tonight. Maybe it's one of those things. I know Ton was asked about if he was excited for coming home and playing in front of a home he, crowd. For he, the he told game. us we would see. He said, we'll see. I don't know he if said, we'll what see. that was, but that really spoke volumes with just where this team was at. They have no fear. They have no fear. They will take it to anyone, and they can beat anyone right now. And that, Ton, if you say it was credited as a dunk, we'll call it a dunk. But just for the sheer intent of, I don't care that you're Sergi Baca, and you're a lot stronger than me, you're so much more experienced than me, I'm going to go at you, and I'm going to score straight away. Things like that set the tone. And we've talked in the last couple of podcasts about you know, how would the Bucks handle home court? What way would that work out for them? Would it play to their advantage? I think the best way to make sure it plays to your advantage is to get up early. Because yep. If, if, yep. You, if you get up early, it doesn't matter if that's not because of the crowd. The crowd will then start to play on the other team's mind even more than it's fueling you. And we saw that the Raptors just started to look completely discompopulated like yeah. so so early on uh, the 24 second violation that was just complete chaos it was like they didn't know the shot clock was winding down they couldn't hear each other with the noise massive massive respect to every single person who went to the Bradley Centre tonight for that game that is certainly the loudest on a TV that I ever heard the Bradley Centre ever It was it was nutty it was so nutty I really wish I could have gotten down there for it um, yeah, because uh, they, they they just didn't let up. I mean, Milwaukee was hungry for the playoffs, especially after watching Giannis play like Giannis played all year. I mean, I think everybody knew it was going to be something special. I mean, this game was crazy because I, I did my preview and I focused on the trimming the rotation, cutting out Hawes and Mirza before garbage time, and I talked about limiting corner threes. And both of those things happened. The Raptors made one corner three. They only made six total, but only one came from the corner. And we didn't see Hawes until garbage time. We didn't see Mirza Sledovich at all. And it was, it, it worked, essentially. It worked. I mean, and my other thing I think I wrote about, or no, no, I wrote about the Raptors getting to the line after game one. And they'll just, they're going to do that every, they, they, they just do that, I guess, even in Milwaukee. But um, how did you like the rotation in this game? I tweeted it earlier. I'll say it again. This is the best game I've ever seen Jason Kidd coach. It was it was it was bulletproof. It was it was bulletproof. He didn't he didn't let his foot off the gas. I love that. I absolutely love that. You beat me to that. That is maybe my favorite element of it. I saw a lot of people 
um, from the third quarter, but definitely in the fourth quarter, being like, why are those guys still out there? This is the playoffs. You keep your guys out there. You put your foot down. You don't. I mean, the Pacers would be able to to tell you. I was going to say literally an hour ago. Right. You don't give your opponent any hope because not only is that hope factor into the game you're playing, but you also have to think about let's if we can absolutely crush their spirit for the rest of the series, let's do it. You've yeah. no, you've nothing to gain. Like this is, you've got a day off between games. It's not like you've got a back to back. Obviously, there's a risk of an injury, but you've got that any time a player steps on the floor. So I, I would have been against kind of just really wrapping everyone up early, letting the reserves go out there, and then what happens if the Raptors roll off a fifteen no run, and you have to bring the starters back in? You lose yeah. momentum. They're more confident for game four. He handled it perfectly. Leave your guys out there pretty late until it's completely impossible. Put your foot down. Make a statement. And then and I... Even... Sorry. Even with doing that, Giannis only played 33 minutes and Chris only played 34 minutes. Completely exactly. manageable. Completely manageable. It's... It's the most perfect game the books could have asked for, really. The rotations... I mean... <laughs> Toledovic had to go after that last game. I wasn't sure, as we all kind of talked about, if Beasley was healthy enough to play. Oh, man, that look, that looks like a masterstroke right now. Yeah, it does. And he, I was, mean, it's he, not, he was good. He was good. He's not going to be like that every game. You're right. It's Michael Beasley. But that was a change that needed to be made. He needed to switch that up. If you wanted to keep a forward in the rotation at that spot, he had to give Beasley a look if he was healthy enough. Turns out he's healthy enough. It was right that he got that shot. Uh, Ton in the second quarter, once that happened, it was like, okay, we're all business. <laughs> this is like, there is there is no need for Spencer Hawes to come in there. Just look at the problems. Both Ton and Moose are causing the Raptors. So it is that simple that if you have your rotation set up that only those two guys will cover the center spot, you're going to cause the Raptors problems for all 48 minutes. Man, Moose ate Jonas's. Lunch, breakfast, dinner, brunch, snacks, supper. He ate all of it a couple times. I, I at least once. I remember. I remember one time where he. I think he had him. He had him sort of jump, and then he had him completely jump, and he just spun behind him and laid it in real quick. I love watching Moose work in in the paint. There's no way Valanciunas starts game four. He didn't start. I, didn't start the I, second half. Didn't start I, the second I was half. surprised when he, when he came in in I think like the third quarter. He had played like nine minutes total. I know that was something that was rumored um, and kind of debated among Raptors fans, Raptors writers after game one, um, whether they'd go away from Valanciunas. I think there is a feeling in Toronto for a long time that it's just kind of something that's waiting to happen. It's it's really, it's it feels kind of uncanny just the parallels with Greg Monroe of last year and some of Valanciunas because... Except, except for four years worth now. Right, but there is there's this element still, huh? I guess that was that was there with Moose to some extent too. But there's this element of Valentinus where I just keep waiting for him to hurt the books in some of these matchups. And he just can't do it. And he like he gets outworked for these really simple rebounds by Ton. It's it's gonna be interesting to see what the Raptors do with that. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ibaka moves to the five and Patrick Patterson maybe coming at the four. I don't notice that hurt the rotation too much further down the line. 
Jakob Pertl has given them good energy. He has been he has been very good. Maybe they go, what's the harm in this? I mean, the books are starting a rookie at center. Let's match it up. At the that'd moment, be, that'd, be, that'd be that'd be insane. I don't. I, 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 I don't know if it'd be right bad. Now. I don't. I'm not saying it'd be bad. I'm saying it'd be insane if that. I don't. I don't. I don't think Dwayne Casey does that. He's got to do something. He really has got to do something. Well, this is. I mean, we talked about this before game one. The problem always with Valanciunas is that, you know, between Lowry and DeRozan, they they use so many damn touches and they command everything. Like this team doesn't. They don't. I, I just. I don't see them just tossing the ball to Valanciunas over and over in the post, and they really don't. And that's. It's hard to take advantage of the matchup. I mean, like in. It, in it's hard to pick apart the Bucks in pick and roll because they're so long. We talked about this. It's hard to pass over them. So then, I mean, how many you know post ups do you really want to call for Jonas Valanciunas? I don't know how many I want to call for him. Yeah, but I. I kind of. I kind of feel sorry for a lot of for basically the Raptors roster outside of Larry and DeRozan because I know Damari Carroll hasn't shot very well in his time as a Raptor. Obviously, he's had a lot of health troubles. But at the same time, now that I'm kind of watching them every two days, I'm starting to think about that a little bit more. It's not easy to get in a rhythm as a shooter if it's kind of, you know, if you're getting a shot from one of those two guys in a Raptors game, it's basically they have no other option. You're probably getting a late in the shot clock and it's just on you to create something. That's not an easy role to have or something easy to play with. And it is that case of, well, if you can shut those guys down, if you can have them combine for four, four of 18 from the field, you're going to win and it isn't really going to be that close. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't move the ball. They don't pass. Their starters combined for two assists. Kyle Lowry had both of them. As a team, they had 11 assists in the entire game. The Bucks have looked so good this series because it hasn't just been 20 seconds of Giannis and then something. It's been like guys passing up good shots for great shots. They had 29 assists in this game. Every starter had as many or more assists than the entire Raptors starting lineup. Brogdon had almost as many as the Raptors team. That's that's ridiculous. That's That's... That's new basketball, effective, efficient offensive basketball that everyone knows is how good basketball is played versus like an older, almost 90s-style basketball. And it's not surprising it's not working. It hasn't worked in the NBA at a championship level in years now. I mean, you look at the best teams. You know, like the, the, the Cavs' best lineups are just LeBron and like a bunch of wings who all just move the ball all over and they find the most open guy and that guy shoots. The Warriors, Kevin Durant will pass up shots to get Steph or Clay a more open shot. The Bucks are playing like that. The Raptors don't really play like that. Sometimes they do. Game two, they kind of did. I mean, they did. No one said, wow, is this the, the Golden State Warriors? But they passed more than they did tonight in game three. We've noted that kid left the guys in long enough to I guess put their foot down and really finish this game with an exclamation point but I think that was the moment that really impressed me and I saw a lot of on Raptors Twitter throughout the game kind of you know people are talking about this like it's the end of the series like it's an elimination game it's not it's 2-1 they can come back from this and that is entirely true but (laughs) What interested me in seeing that was, as the game went on, I just felt like, okay, 
no matter how lopsided a game is, there's always a run. I said this in game one as well at the end of it. There's always a run. You know, there's always something to rattle the team and at least for a couple of minutes give them some sort of fright. There wasn't a run. Not only no, that, not... the books the books just were able to kick on. They were able to remain focused. I was particularly worried after half time. Just yeah. Once. Like you don't want half time in a game like that. You don't want half time when you're up fifty seven thirty at the half. Like that's going to take you out of your rhythm. It's a natural thing to do, and yet they come out and hold the Raptors to sixteen the third quarter. But it just said more about the books and the current state they're in mentally, where their confidence is at now. That not only did they kind of not just get into some sort of defensive mode and protect the lead, they were actually able to kick on and close it out. And that's just so impressive and so different to what we've seen before that sure, the Raptors could come back, they could win game four. Right now, though, I can only look at it and say, well, you'd want to give me really good reasons as to why the books aren't going to be game four winners as well. Yeah, I mean, and this is something too I mentioned in in the, my last pregame piece. We we uh, Jason Kidd deserves a lot of credit for a lot of these things, and he you know this the, he's done bad things. We've all we've all written about and talked about and whatever. But from the tip of game one, every single buck played like like this basically. I mean, I don't think anybody. It didn't feel like to me really came out super tight. Um. It was just like that mentally this team is in a really, really good place. And I think that is something that, I mean, it, it has to start with the, 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 the head, the coach. And I think, you know, props to him for keeping the team focused, but also just like it didn't take like two games for them to get into playoffs. You know what I mean? Like they came in game one, like let's let's go win a series. That seemed, that's, that, that's what this team has felt like to me, this whole – this whole time like let's let's win this series not oh we're in the playoffs yay let's get on playoff minutes and see what Giannis can do and this will be a fun five games for us and then we go home for the summer no they showed up like let's let's win a series let's win two series yeah I, I can only agree with that I think the coaching staff deserve a lot of credit I think something that has to come into that kid is one part of that having Jason Terry there is another You've had guys like KG in regularly throughout the season. John Stockton was in earlier. Gary Payton is there today. Yeah. They've just had so many guys around the team who, I mean, serial winners. Guys who have, if you're to combine playoff wins that those, how many guys I named there, five guys have between them, that's a lot of wins. There's just, there are things like that that you, you can't kind of underestimate. I also feel Yanis is the leader of this team. They were always going to go as Yanis went. And as the star, with all the pressure that was going to be on him coming into his first real playoffs, his first playoffs as an all-star, it's been nothing to him. He's just taken it in his stride. He's gone. He's played without nerves. So if with all the pressure on him, he can do that, that's when his teammates go, okay, well... If our leader, if our best player can live up to what he's supposed to do, that's up to the rest of us to go with it. All around, this has been 
this has been pretty flawless from the books. I know they lost game two, but as we mentioned here like they miss shots that you know, another night they go in and you're up three nothing at this point, which is just is wild. And Yeah. It really is at a point now where you're thinking, okay, they can hold home court through this stand, and then the Raptors have to win three straight. Mm. It, you, the books can't ask for more. Really, this has been—I th- I think every player, with the exception probably of Teladovic, every player who's taken to the floor has played pretty well. I was Jet's I was actually, been Jet's been called. Jet has struggled. He's got very little minutes though. Yeah, before uh, it's not—it's not—it's not killing them. Right, and I feel for someone like him. If you look at, I think he had nine minutes, maybe nine minutes in both games. But that's not a lot from when, say, they finished up the regular season against the Celtics. So for some of his age, he's kind of probably, in one way, his body may have wound down a little bit, cooled down a little bit, and he's not getting the minutes that he would have gotten the regular season to get back up to that intensity. And well, I would, I would, I would still wager we'll get a jet game in Game Four, or Game Six in front of a home crowd. Whenever the books clinch. Jed is going to go off at the end of that game. Yeah. Mark it down. If the Bucks win this series, Jason Terry will probably hit two or three triples in like the final three minutes. He'll basically just go up and down the court in a jet motion. He'll defend as a jet, come back down, hit another three. Hasn't happened right now, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that one's still to come. No, same here. And just I, I I'm I'm, so, I'm guessing we're gonna get in the mailbag kind of soon here. Right. Before that, shout out to Gus Johnson and Marcus Johnson, who are just phenomenal. The call on this game was just—it's not easy to call a blowout. Like it's it it can get boring. Sometimes guys will just tell super long stories, which if the stories are good isn't bad. But I thought like they did a really good job. I thought on this game, I was very entertained throughout, and not just because. Of what the Bucks were doing, like Gus and Mark, Gus and Marcus were cracking me up. There, uh, Marcus is the best. Uh, I'm very clear on my feelings on Gus. I spoke with the R I think he's great. I will never be able to wrap my head around why people need to feel like the man inside their television is rooting along with them for their team. And you're watching the game. They call the game as it is. That's the job of the announcer. And that's there is something even when you're in a big win there's something more to that I, I feel like it's when a team loses you'll have people saying oh I don't like feeling that you know it's uh, being rubbed in my face that my team just lost when a team wins though I don't know if you just want complete back padding you want you want a kind of wider view of things so that you really get perspective of what's happening. And a night like tonight, I think they did that. You want to hear about, you know, what this means for the Raptors and what's happening for the Raptors. There's a lot to be said for a well-rounded call. And, yeah, you're right. They nailed it, as always, tonight. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the mailbag. We could go with some more stuff, but... Uh, I haven't even looked at the questions yet. I just know there's a lot of them. And I'm sure plenty of what we'd talk about is going to be in here. Yeah. We'll start it out with at AC Snide. Andrew Snyder. Here we go. 
What's it like watching a fun young team that wins basketball games and has a bright future? Um, it's not like watching the Hawks right now, Andrew. That's so, or the or the or the or Hornets. The Hornets, yeah. Who you can't watch right now, but can we can we pull Andrew on the the Bucks Island somehow? I, I tried that one a long time ago. Yeah, he did. He he resisted. former staff writer, former staff writer. Um, he might have a change of heart. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I will say that. Um, game one was incredible. I I. Tonight was just surreal. I think game one is still my favorite and like we could be six months from now looking back and it would still be my favorite because it was just the one that caught me off guard. You're on the road in Air Canada Center. That was the one that really kind of went, wow, uh, this one is just beyond anyone's wildest dreams. This is crazy. Yeah, this 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 doesn't happen to experienced teams who a lot of people's favorites to challenge the Cavaliers and they're not going to see the Cavaliers. I don't, I don't think they're going to see the Cavaliers. No, I'm with you on that. I think if the Raptors do come back and win this, I will, I'll tip my hat. It will be an incredible turnaround because this is about themselves mentally as much as anything else. It's one thing to say they could beat the books for, three of the next uh, four games. It's another to say that they can actually overcome whatever is now going on in their own heads. I think that is probably the biggest hurdle between them and the second round at this point. Yeah. From at Joe Osterndorf. Does this team feed off the energy at home or what? Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I'll still, I'm going to stay, stay sort of strong with what I said the other day, only because this team was firing right from the start that it just, it was like, they brought the crowd along with them. I guess there's an element of both. I'd be curious to see if they do the same in game four, I will concede, I will bow down to this one, Joe, and admit that the books are definitely a team who will play up with their own home crowd. Uh, as Jordan and I talked about in the preview pod, though, this was a top 10 road team in the NBA and a distinctly average uh, tied for 16 and a three-way tie at that as a home team. So Remember remember the, the standings. We throw them out. They're gone. This is the best home team in the NBA, Adam. Look at point differential. Yeah, let's wait till after game four for that one. Let's... Uh, <laughs> From a Jordan Tresky, what is this? This is like this all is former weird. podcast guests right now. Um, the book's up 2-1 over the Raps, but will life uh, find a way? I mean, yeah, because I think life found a way to get around the dinosaurs. I I think we're looking pretty good here, Jordan. The Bucks are finding a lot of ways. Maybe the most important part of all of this is... It feels like this could finally be a team that is past the point where we have to think of like, you know, oh, this is the books. So whatever happens to the books is going to happen to the books now or to think oh, yeah, too superstitiously I... because this is just, this is an incredible team. This is like the last time where the books didn't have to think about that uh, before any sort of books curses were born, which was the first, say, 10 to 15 years of the franchise's existence. 
can I ask you when you stopped worrying the Raptors would come back? For me, I officially stopped worrying when there was seven minutes and about 45 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Um, the Raptors had gotten it to like 24, and the Bucks got it back to around 30, and I was like, all right, I think that's it. I think I was pretty comfortable once I saw the Bucks didn't come out just cold and the Raptors come out hot for the second half. You're that, you're nutty. That was my big concern. Was just that that again, it's more about the Raptors. Uh, like I think the Bucks could have blown up in this game, and the Raptors wouldn't have had enough to even make inroads on the lead anyway. Like that's that's where this game played out. I think that will get a little bit lost in it. It will be reported as well. Look what the Bucks did, and from our point of view, great. That's what we want to talk about too. This is just as much about the Raptors. This was the ultimate no-show. This team could yeah. not fall any harder on their face. It was an embarrassment. So, at that point, for me, I was just, well, are the Raptors going to have something? The answer was no, and the books were still kind of ticking along fine anyway. So, you're right, you're not, you're not saying this is, this is done. There could always have been a run, but I was very comfortable by probably halfway through the third quarter. I was, I was watching this with my dude Alex Nemec at his house, and I remarked to him, I can't believe I'm so worried about this game in like the third quarter. And he goes, listen, you're a Bucks slash Brewers slash Saints slash Badgers fan. I love how the, you, just, you just true Saints in the middle there, hoping no one would notice. They can notice. That's fine. It's No one makes fun of me for that anymore. It's like they, they look at me like someone looks at someone who like their dog just died. They're like, oh, you are? Oh, I'm sorry, um, but he's like you're 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 used to this. You were you were you you were born in this. It's not your fault. I was like you're right. It's not. Maybe the Bucks can finally break me of just assuming it's gonna go bad at some point. I think there's just the element of recognizing what you've got at some point. I mean, look, the Bucks have certainly burned everyone who's ever watched this team pretty bad for quite a while. But you look at Giannis and you're like, well. All of that other stuff isn't going to matter a lot of the time. And he's yeah. also, there's also, this is a, this is kind of a sweet spot. and It's worth noting this, but he's at the point where, you know, we're ahead of any kind of, can Giannis get it done in the playoffs talk? All of those things, you know what I mean? Obviously, yeah. he's had a great series so far and that shouldn't be an issue. But if you look at all of the great players, you look at LeBron passing. Uh, that's definitely examples. Giannis could have games where he's deferring to teammates if something isn't going for him, making good plays, and the books come up just short. And then you'll have the questions. We're in this beautiful honeymoon period where you know, none of that really matters right now. All of this is kind of the perfect sweet spot for things to take off for the books. I'm fascinated if they do close out this series... I'll be honest, I won't really care about what happens from there. It would be fun to go really close to the Cavs. Obviously, it would be incredible if they somehow managed to upset the Cavs and reach the conference finals. Very hypothetical, that is. But I wouldn't care. If they get out of this series, I think the summer becomes really interesting. Who doesn't want to be on this team again next year? Um, maybe you can you know, pull some things off even in a bigger way if you wanted to in terms of, you know who doesn't want to be on this team, who isn't currently with this team as well. And yeah. 17th overall pick in the draft. They've got their second round pick too. And you've got all of that coming in just on top of the excitement that's there for this team as is. 
I don't know when the books have last had a summer like that. I really, I the easy answer would be possibly yeah, the summer going into the two thousand and two season, which was unfortunate. But yeah, I don't know. This is different. From at David Dunn twenty one. Can we now conclusively state that this defense isn't made for eighty two games, but is perfect for guys playing all out with no back to backs? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's something uh, I talked about a little bit with Adam before the pod. Probably said it more eloquently then than I will now. But a couple things about the playoffs that really help this defense are, like uh, David Dunn has said there, that you know it's a lot easier when you have automatic days off, and you know you just you you hustle harder in the playoffs. You just do it. It makes sense. So to do a, a defense with a lot of crazy switching and collapsing and just attacking the ball and having to get out back to your man, you know, it's easy to do that when you're in 110% playoff mode and, you know, you're not having any back-to-backs. You're going to get your rest between games. And the other thing about it that I think has really helped the defense is that it's not like 10 guys in real minutes who get thrown in there. You know, it's not, you know, oh, here's – on for eight minutes and here's Monroe for eight minutes and then you know a couple different forwards and then Jet for a few minutes and then oh Rashad's playing this game it's just it's the same eight guys for most of this game and it's a lot easier to build up like a bond and to learn each other on defense with a group a core group that's a little smaller there's not as much variance it's not like randomly like oh who was supposed to get that guy was it me was it you I don't know these guys know, like they've played each other with each other all year. Uh, now they can just refine this stuff. So I think, yeah, the, the this is the system works better in the defense and th- than it does in a 82 game season with so much more variance in terms of players. And if you 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 don't want to go 110 percent all regular season, that's how you end up like the Toronto Raptors. Ooh, I will say there is a possibility that the defense is going to just click like this when you've got more rest. It's definitely in play. I just feel like the rotation, the shortened rotation though, is the thing that is the most obvious kind of point of difference to highlight in terms of what's the difference now compared to what we saw all year. It doesn't feel like a coincidence to me that the shorter the book's rotation gets, the better they're playing. I feel like it could probably be paired back to, you know, seven guys at some point, and this team would just be a locomotive. They'd be completely unstoppable. It's the simple things. It's just letting guys get to know each other, get to know who they're going to be out there on the floor with, and not having four really good defenders out there with uh, Spencer Hawes or a Mertz yeah. or yeah. even a Michael Beasley. They got away with that one tonight, but we all know there's games where that could backfire. Uh, that will help the defense. You know, just having guys who... Everyone doesn't have to be the best defender. Greg Monroe is the best example of this. But Moose has now got to a point where he wants it so bad on every single possession. And that's what you need. And if you can do that and channel that into making sure that you're always locked in, that there's no lapses in concentration, you're going to get good results. You're going to get great results. And that's what's been happening for him and the books recently. Yeah, I mean, you look at 
Thon, Giannis, Snell, Brogdon, Middleton, Monroe, Delhi. That's those guys. Those seven guys are all like that, and that's why it's been working better. From Atmatastic, more likely to get swung at, Delhi or Monroe, and more likely to hashtag finish the fight. Uh, Delhi to get swung at, Monroe to finish the fight. I mean, technically, Delhi's already got swung at. The Kyle, Raptors hate Delhi. Kyle Larry clocked him with an elbow. I tweeted this from the side account earlier. Uh, Delhi is so far in Kyle Larry's head without having done anything. Kyle Larry yeah, I haven't, decided, I haven't seen anything major. Kyle Larry decided to make this into something, and he's losing the battle of his own making. You know, he, they could have, they all could have just left this alone. This weird Delhi illegal screens. Uh, this is something definitely. I, I think it might just be Jordan and I on that podcast. The Delhi screens went after game one. But we're just so Ooh. bewildered by this. Why? Why were they creating this kind of narrative? I, I didn't get it at all. It makes no sense. And it makes less sense now because it was all about the Bucks' physicality. And then you watch this game and the Raptors just hacked at the Bucks all night. Just frustration fell, lashing out. You had things like, obviously, the Larry elbow on Delhi. Uh, Larry had like three or four just pure frustration fails pretty borderline uh, then the you push had, on the push on Don yeah, that when one, he was driving I mean, the I really fast break I like that one um, but you even have like Ibaka jostling for position with Yanis yeah. the free throw and kind of kind of hooking him and you know it was just weird and then looking for some more and maybe the best thing that Yanis has ever done or the greatest sign <laughs> of just where Yanis is at where he just kind of shrugs and walks away like okay. he looked like a disappointed parent well he's just like my he, team's he, up 26 points you really think I'm gonna bite on this so it's like he yeah. looked at him like really Serge we're, we're really we're doing this now just walk away Serge that is another kind of special moment the one thing I will say that was mm, that Rashad Vaughn tree I loved it. No, I loved it. No, that's... If, there was four seconds left that, that he had to shoot. Dead. He didn't. You let the clock... You let no, the clock you don't. Why? I, I hate this. I've always hated this. I don't, I don't like it, but I'm just... I if you if you, you don't had, want you players to play the game with, anymore... Without, without just going over the edge of it. I, I just, if, you don't, if you don't want the players to play, put in a mercy rule and literally end the game. Look, it's a 48-minute game of basketball. I know. If you don't want to lose by 27 on a last minute three, then play better for the first 47 minutes. I don't disagree with that at all, but that's not how the Raptors are going to take that. That's not how Good. Let the them Wizards be matter. took other things. Yeah, that, that is fine. I just but... Get a couple more thrown ball technicals. That was fun. I just wouldn't like them to have reason they don't need to be fired up coming out in game four. Where I mean, then... they can target Rashad Vaughn. They're going to have to run over to the bench. Yeah, they're not going to target Rashad Vaughn, but just generally. I'm curious. We're we're straight after the game on this, so we haven't heard any of the post-game quotes, even from the Raptors. I would guess we're going to hear some pretty loaded quotes. They'll find something to complain about. I I, I think it's gonna. I they they will. It's got. It's gonna be hard. It's they they had eleven more free throws in the game. They lost by twenty seven points. I feel they won't just hold their hands up in the middle of a series. They can't. And you can't really. 
just hold your hands up and say, oh yeah, are bad for the second time in three games, you know? It's it's a strange thing, it really is. And that's this if, is us it, from look. a distance. But when you look at this recurring thing, it started out as being game ones and they make it difficult for themselves. Well, this is beyond making it difficult for yourselves. Look, if they walk away from this game mad at the Bucks for anything, they lost the series. They should walk away from this game mad at themselves for playing one of the worst playoff games of basketball we've seen all year. If probably the worst, actually. They they played like crap. They couldn't execute. They couldn't stop the Bucks. They couldn't do anything on offense. If they if they walk away from this, they wake up tomorrow, they all meet up to complain some more and go, you know what really burns is that Rashad Vaughn three with four seconds left. That's I, I don't know what to tell them. I don't what are they gonna work on? All right, we got this new package with when there's four seconds left to prevent Rashad Vaughn threes. Like I, 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 I don't I, disagree I, I, with I just, you, oh, but you know how dumb. these teams think and these teams work, and it would just if they came out and they you know if they come roaring back in game four, they win game four, and that this sounds insane, but this is what teams do. They're like, yeah, well, we just we were angry at ourselves for game three, but you know that that unnecessary tree at the end just pushes over the edge. I'm not saying that's not completely ridiculous, but this is what NBA teams do. And if that did turn out to be the case, I'd be like, God damn it, really, Rashad? Of all I the times, now you hit a tree. You couldn't hit one for your entire career. Now you decide to hit one? God he was damn. two for two. He was two for two I today. I know. Listen. He, he just wanted to pour it on. He's ready for, for the drive. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm with him. I love that move. Good. If you didn't, if you don't come prepared to play for forty-eight minutes, that's your fault. I feel the same way in football. I remember there was a controversy a couple years back, Bill Belichick running up the score. What does that mean? It's a fixed time game. Listen, you don't want him to score more. Play defense better. Uh, again, I don't disagree. <laughs> I'm just saying we know we've seen this movie before with the books, but never in a situation where. You're gonna have to run it back with that team two days later with like the highest stakes of the season there for you. So I'd just be kind of like, okay. I I really I really think it would help before it would hurt because remember we saw anger boil over and it didn't work for the Raptors at all. This game they couldn't they couldn't harness it into anything positive. Like the matter you get and it doesn't always it doesn't always work for a team. I think it usually really it doesn't. I mean, unless it's like LeBron, he's gonna come and. Just hoist the whole team on his back. Maybe that'll work, but I, I don't know. We're talking, I, we're I was, about this I was happy. It's just just an observation on my part. That's maybe the part of me. Oh, I'm sure it's. I'm sure other people are. Gonna, I'm not. I'm not trying to no, come at you. I'm, it's a real stance. Gonna, I don't think anyone else is going to talk about it. I, I think. That's, oh, that's, <laughs> you don't think the Raptors no, are going to talk the about Raptors it? Raptors are going to talk. That's where I'm going with this. But I just think it's one of those. You know. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that makes me. Oh, Lance, that was this team who Lance did that too, and they got mad. Matt Moore tweeted at the start of the second half, and they, they were. He tweeted that the books were kind of trying to clown the Raptors at the start of the second half. They need to be careful with it. And they were at that point, and then very quickly they kind of just knuckled down and got back to business. But I that, that makes me more nervous than anything. Like when you were talking about at what point did I not worry about the Raptors' lead? <laughs> It's that moment of, you know, just don't don't poke the bear. Just beat the bear, right? Just just do it simply. Just take care of business, move on. 
and let the Raptors be mad because they're doing that on their own anyway. We'll move on though. Um, from Metastic again, are we headed for another Ice Age after the extinction? Uh, I was trying to think of something clever, but I couldn't. No, I guess no. Maybe, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know how global warming works. I know it's real, but I don't know how it works. We'll see, won't we? We will find out. Yeah, from, sooner rather than later. From at Alex underscore Koenig zero two three. So Vaughn is a part of the future again, right? Yep. No, Alex. No. All petty first team. Part of the Oshkosh whatevers. Uh, or Fox Valley. Valley. Fox Valley Flyers. Ty, that team name was never announced like you were told. It's just that's just I'm 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 well aware. Get on that Ty. Uh, from at the Big Polovsky, what impressed you more? The books establishing the big lead in the first or being able to maintain the lead for the rest of the game? Easily keeping it, because that's 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 how you win the game. that's how you win the game. I mean Am I impressed by the big lead the Pacers built over the Cavs today? No. It doesn't matter. They lost. Always the second one. It's always harder. Just like it's much harder to defend a title than it is to win your first title. Same thing on the small, small scale of holding a lead. It's much harder to hold a lead than it is to build one. To be leading by 20 points after the first and go through three more quarters and win the game by 27 points? Incredible. Incredible. That just doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. That was really something special. Um, yeah. So, absolutely that. That might have told us more about the books than anything we've seen at any point this season. The yeah, they, 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 they get they... that lead and they're just like, wow, this is fun. We're just going to keep going until you lose the will to live. Which is, I don't know if you saw some of the shots of DeMar DeRozan on the bench near the end. Oh my god, yeah. All of them. The will to live. DeMari had just like his hand over his mouth, just like glazed over. Oh, it was bad. I mean, it was good, it was good for the Bucks, but it was bad for the Raptors. From at Alex underscore Koenig 023, generally role players play better at home. Does this mean Yanis and Chris are the only non-role players? Is that a thing? I don't know. I mean... Moose played really well on the road. Tony Snell has played his best. I don't know. What, what is a role player? I don't know what a role player. People tell me Kawhi Leonard's a role player. No, People tell me it's not a bad thing. People tell me it is a bad. I don't I don't know what that is. I, mean, I, don't, player, I really don't know. Every player has a role. Giannis yeah, that's people say that all the time. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what a role player is. I mean, I, I think. I think. I think, well, hold on. I think outside of Yanis, uh, Chris, and a healthy Jabari. I mean, technically, everyone else would be a role player. So I, I mean, I, you could give those guys roles, right? Javaris is to score. If you want to put them as above something, yeah, technically, everyone else would still then be a role player. But yeah, yeah, Christmas I think the problem is, you know, yeah, yeah, and and play any play makes too. But he's yeah, Javaris just pure offense. Point Giannis, forward is a role, right? Yeah, well, Giannis is like the the the. Was a Swiss army knife. He's a Greek army knife. From Matastic again. Is Delhi responsible for Larry's decimation or is it more Larry himself? It's both. It's, it's both. Larry himself, but he's only doing it because he's looking at Delhi on the opposite side of the court. 
I, I mean, I think even without Delhi, Lowry might not be playing well, but it's, it never helps. It's Delhi's like, if you can't get over him, he'll actually be a really big problem for you on defense. Like, I really do believe in the 2015 finals, there was a brief moment where Stephen Curry was in his own head about Matthew Dellavedova. And I think he woke up before whatever game it was when he started playing really well again. It was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. I am Stephen Curry. It does not matter who that person is. And that's when things started going well. You have to do that at a certain point. Or you can even be like LeBron, who will be even like directly petty. And I am better than you, Paul George, is what LeBron says through his play. I, I don't know if Lowry is going to be able to get over the mental hump like Adam's talking about of just thinking about Delhi, Dwayne Casey. I, I'm not, I, I didn't go to sleep thinking about Delhi. He, he might tonight. Yeah, but I think he made his point guard go to sleep thinking about Delhi. You know, that if yeah, you, the if fact you, that he had to say it. Your team, if you tell your team enough that these screens are so illegal, he's setting these dirty screens, well, then they go out there and that's what they're looking for every time. And they've got an inbuilt excuse of, oh, he's setting these screens, they're getting away with them. That is just uh, such a strange thing. But I think, Lowry is bought into it. It's also not just Delhi. It's Ton. It's Giannis. Kyle Lowry is afraid to go to the rim. He's terrified. I've never seen an all-star caliber player so afraid of going to the rim. He had a normal Iga, tonight. Iguodala syndrome. Stop short and passed it off to the Rosen. Iguodala syndrome. I, it's like that times 100 at this point. Um, the next one... The next one from at Ben Marquardt. That Gus Johnson, Big Sean reference at the end of the game. Yes. Last night took an L, but tonight I bounced back. Yes. The biggest highlight tonight. Uh, no, but it was damn nice. <laughs> be hard to be the biggest highlight on this particular night, but. Yeah, it was. Exactly I, I, I was. Gus, oh, Gus Johnson damn. being Gus Johnson. Last night took an L. From at Matthew Halka. Are we for real, or are we just playing with my emotions? Uh, pretty obviously real at this point, and also playing with the Raptors' emotions. Looks very real. I mean, again, Giannis is the best player in any series he plays in the East, except the Cleveland one. This goes, That's all you need to know. Right, but this goes again to, say the Raptors find themselves, they play the three best games they've ever played as this group, and they go through to round two, the Bucks lose in six, the Bucks lose in seven, whatever it is. We wouldn't come out of this series going, the Bucks aren't for real. We'd be like, this young team who shouldn't have even made the playoffs were dead and buried a month ago. They are they are probably playing for home court next season. That's the kind of place their goals are going to be at now. So the Bucks are real. It's it's really, for me, I, I think, I know most people aren't going to be happy with this and you're not going to settle for it right now in the moment when there's real opportunities there, but all of this is kind of a bonus. It's, you know, you've set the table for next year to do something really special. I think they're ahead of schedule now, all of a sudden. Like, it's it's amazing how quick that has turned. But imagine if they can kind of keep playing at a similar level to this going into next season, and then if... Around the All-Star break, you can get your Barry back and actually get him back healthy. It's really hard to wrap your head around just what this team could be capable of in an Eastern Conference where 
LeBron is a year older. Who knows, even if they advance through this, what the Raptors will do with Lowry and everything. They're going to have a lot of tough decisions to make because even if they did somehow win this series, uh, this is not looking like a Raptors team who's going to get through the Cavs or remotely close to that. So, I mean, who knows what way, what way things are next season, what opportunities are there for the Bucks. Not a whole lot of teams to fear in the East right now and even in the, the sort of bigger picture. The Celtics, for all of their assets, they need to do oh. something with them, right? Because they're a team who you'd say, good now, all of the assets to be even better long term. Well, those assets, when they use them, when they cash them in, they better make them pay, right? If they have the, the first overall pick, don't get the wrong guy in this draft class. You want to make that count. So, I mean, books are in a really, really great spot. From at Mint. Which demoralized the Raptors more? The Barney music for Raptors pregame or the elbow <laughs> blocked by Giannis? I found the Barney music very strange. I That was again... Hilarious. Maybe, maybe this is just... This is where my kind of discomfort shows. That gave me the same feeling as the Rashad Vaughn tree, but then maybe that proves you right as in that may have got into the Raptors' heads more than anything. If it angered them, uh, they certainly Good. did a positive reaction out of it. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious, man. At first, I thought you were going to say you didn't get it. Like, you didn't no, get why no, it was a thing. I was going to say, he's a dinosaur, yeah. But uh, I, I would say the Barney music because uh, the elbow block was just, like, it was they were already kind of dead at that point. Well, I mean, look, I, I'm all for Giannis elbow blocks at any time. Even after the game, if, like, someone was, like, tossing a water bottle, if Giannis wanted to elbow block a water bottle, fine, sure, elbow block everything. But just because the Barney music just set the tone, I, you got to give it to the OG who came first. From at Big Boy 0200. So, kid remember that BZ is good and he gets minutes and produces. Huge for us to get offense when Yanis rests. No. Um, you're going too far in saying BZ is good and gets minutes and produces. There's a few things there. One... Uh, this is maybe my most pro-kid podcast ever. But I think it's unfair to say kid remembered. Beasley has not looked healthy. And it's entirely possible that, you know, he wasn't playing until he was able to really give something real. That's when he started to get proper minutes again. If that's the case, that was well managed. Uh, Beasley was good tonight. He can be very good. He will have to be used very carefully. Yeah, like it would be very hard for him to have hurt the team tonight with the role they had going and with the Raptors having nothing going. So it can be incredibly effective as instant offense. He can really pile on misery on the opponent in a game like this one. But if the next game is kind of neck and neck down the stretch, how would I feel to see Michael Beasley coming into the game? Ooh, a little bit nervous. I think my favorite thing from Bees was that he made three threes. Obviously, one game is a tiny sample size. But after shooting <laughs> uh, almost 420% from three-point territory in the regular season on very little looks, but still, he's been effective shooting the, ball, the three balls a buck. If that continues, I'm more interested in Beasley than not. 
kind of obviously. Also, shouts out Giannis, two for two from deep today. Yeah, right, and early on too. And the B, inbounds play. Oh, Bees now is he's a guy who you'd say definitely feeds off a crowd, and that's not surprising. He is the yeah. guy. You know, if it's party time in the arena, you put bees in, you're going to get good results. Last... Maybe they should just always, always play him with Jeff. Right, the two of them together is is something to get the crowd worked up. Lastly, from a Taylor Desch. Can Dr. Dave be LeBron's kryptonite in the second round? Dr. Dave's, that? Dr. Dave's hair was... That's Dr. Dave? Yeah. I I always know that dude's face, but I didn't I didn't know he we I, I didn't know his name. Is there a backstory? Dr. Dave. How do you know Doctor Dave? Everyone knows Doctor Dave. Oh, that's a good that's a good explanation. It is. We got like I tweeted Jordan tweeted about him, and I quote tweeted with something about his hair, and it got like twenty five retweets. Everyone knows Doctor Dave. He stands up. He. Waves. I know. I know the the right, person. You know who I he is. Well, that's why everyone of course. knows who he is. He's a real doctor? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's not like Dr. Nick. I, mean. I don't know. I don't know anything about Dr. Dave. I just learned his name. His hair today was crazy. I can't believe you only learned his name. Um, what Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> can he be LeBron's kryptonite in the second round? He can do anything. Shout out Dr. We got to get Dr. Dave on the podcast. I... I think I saw somewhere that John Henson went over to high five Dr. Dave at some point of the game, which is, I mean, just says everything you need to know. That's John Dave Henson's and, role. And John, and John Henson. Oh, that's, yeah, well, I wasn't saying go that Dr. Dave. Way. I wasn't saying. I didn't say you were. Good guy, John Henson. Oh, we got a, we got a Kyle Lowry quote Oh boy. on TeamStream. We got our ass busted. Oh. Maybe, maybe they are just going to be cool about it. I'm good. I, I'd rather if they weren't. Yeah, I'd I don't rather know if, if they if they wanted to get more in their own head. I mean, if they get down <laughs> on themselves, at this point, I honestly don't know what to expect from the Raptors. I just think they've they've got so so much to overcome. There's a lot of demons. They're they're in this place where even if they won Game Four, if it goes back to Toronto and the books start fast in Game Five. It's in their head again, you know. It's here we go yeah. again, and they've they've got that basically forever now. That's not healthy. That's this is you can kind of push your luck too far, and it's fine for them to say, "Oh yeah, we've lost game ones before, and look, we beat the Pacers in seven, we beat the Heat in seven. I was like, "Yeah," and then eventually you just ran out of luck. That could be what's happening. That's it for us for this very enjoyable post game podcast. We will be back tomorrow. No rest for the wicked for the pregame podcast. Um, it will post on Behind the Book Pass early on Saturday, but it will be up, I would imagine, late evening central time tomorrow. Just because the game's such an early start, we want to give you some time to get that one in. So... Watch out for that one on Friday evening. In the meantime, check out all of our work on BehindTheBookPass.com. We'll have grades. We'll have takeaways. We'll probably have some other stuff too, taking in all the, the key details from Game 3 tomorrow and into Saturday. 
You can subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud and add us on Stitcher to make sure you don't miss any podcast in the coming days, weeks and beyond that months. And until then, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Ty. Thank you, Adam.